This is our fourth session on Ephesians 5, 3 to 7, and really it's an overflow from last time because I estimated my time frame badly when I began the last session, thought I was going to do two things in one session, and I'm splitting them up now. So this is a continuation from the focus on verse 3, and especially this time on saints, what does that mean, and uh, how is something more or less proper or not proper among such people? So, Father, this time as we really do focus on the meaning of Christians as saints and Paul as telling us not to do anything that is improper for saints, that as though saints has in it a meaning that makes some things proper and improper, fitting and not fitting, suitable, not suitable, appropriate, not appropriate. Show us, Lord, make us this kind of people so that without a long list of hundreds of things that we have to decide about and do instinctively every day, we would actually intuit by virtue of who we are, what's proper and improper. I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And you can hear in my prayer what I, what I think think about this, what I feel so strongly about, um, this issue of what's proper or what's out of place and shamefulness, foolish talk, crude joking, which are out of place, those two phrases are a moral category that is really quite distinctive. And we should care much about becoming the kind of people here that can discern even unconsciously, without long, rational arguments, what I'm being asked to do here really is improper. It's out of place. It's unfitting. And we want to raise kids who can do that, right? So, I've already talked about this in uh, one, one to two, parts five and six. If you want to go back, this is partly repetition, but the reason I'm going to do it here is because I don't expect you to go back and watch those, and yet it is absolutely crucial that we get at the meaning of saints so that this can work, right? <laughs> it won't work to say, as is proper among blank. If, we, if the blank has no meaning, then the proper can't have any meaning. So here's some observations on saints. This is Paul's favorite phrase or word for Christians. Paul hardly ever uses the word Christian. In fact, does he ever use the word Christian? I'm trying to think right now. If he does, it's only, you know, I think it's in the, in the book of Acts and it's in 1 Peter. I don't think Paul ever uses the term Christian. But he uses saints almost 40 times to refer to us. What does it carry? What meaning does it carry when he talks about Christians as saints? The word means holy, and so saints are holy ones, and holy ones, holy means set apart from the common or ordinary, devoted to God. Ephesians 1.4, God chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. So the stakes are raised very high from eternity. We are chosen in eternity, before the universe existed. <laughs> Think of it. We are 
chosen with this destiny. I'm going to create and I'm going to redeem a people so that they will be holy before me, God says. Here's Christ's part in that. This is Trinitarian, Father, Son, and Spirit in relation to holiness. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify. That's the verb form of holy. If we could do it in English, it would be H-O-L-Y, holify, <laughs> make sacred, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ died to make us holy. So the Father chose us from eternity to be holy, to be saints. Jesus died in order to make us holy, and now comes the Holy Spirit. Paul says in Romans 15, grace was given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified, made holy, by the Holy Spirit. So we've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all of them active to make us holy. Father chooses us to be holy. Son dies to make us holy. Spirit sanctifies us to make us holy. Is there any wonder why we are called the Holy Ones? Now, what does that mean? We get our holiness where? I am the Lord your God. This is Leviticus. This is quoted in 1 Peter and elsewhere. I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am holy. Or as 1 Peter 1.14 says, as obedient children do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy, quoting Leviticus 11.44. So our holiness is modeled on God's holiness. To be saints is to be imitating God's holiness, to be living a life holy like the Lord is holy. Now, what's that? Here's Isaiah 6, 1 to 3, very fundamental text on the holiness of God. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face, and with two, he covered his feet, and with two, he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is Yahweh, the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why didn't it say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his holiness. Here's my suggestion. The glory of God is the outward 
streaming the radiance, manifestation of his intrinsic holiness, which would be his, his intrinsic, infinite worth, his beauty in and of himself, whether anybody sees it among his creation or not, his greatness, all of it transcendent and pure. Now, what does it mean then for us to be holy as God is holy, who manifests his holiness in the world with great glory, visible manifestations of his worth and beauty and greatness? It means that we bring our lives into conformity to God's worth and beauty and greatness. Here's a way to think about it. When we think about God being holy or righteous or uh, upright or good, what's the measuring rod for his goodness, holiness, righteousness? There's no book outside of God. There's no standard outside of God. All that God can measure himself by in order to count himself as holy is himself, his worth, his beauty, his greatness. Therefore, I define God's holiness as God in his affections, in his decisions, in his actions, always making sure that those actions and decisions and affections are in perfect harmony with his infinite worth and beauty and greatness. And that's what I think our holiness is. Actions, attitudes, affections that are reflective of God as our supreme worth, our supreme beauty, our supreme greatness. Here's a pointer in 1 Corinthians 6. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. You've been consecrated to God, dedicated to God, given to God. He owns you. You are holy to the Lord, for you were bought with a price, because this is what Jesus did, according to Ephesians 5. 25 to 27. He died to make us holy. So glorify God with your body. And glorify is what we do in order to show God's worth, God's beauty, God's greatness. So, in conclusion, to be a saint is to be holy as God is holy, to be set aside for God. And the Holy Spirit is working to bring us into actual conformity to God and the conformity to God's holiness, since God's holiness is his affections, decisions, actions that accord with his infinite worth and greatness and beauty. That's what ours are. We live so as to glorify or make visible and plain and beautiful God's glory, God's greatness and beauty and worth. And naming these things as casual, 
or doing them is improper. It's out of step with one who prizes the holiness of God above all things. So that's the connection between what's proper and who we are as saints.